Hey dreamers, this is your host Barry Miracle. Welcome to Wake Up Into Your Dream. It's time to wake up out of the nightmares of normality and wake up into God's divinely designed dream for your life. Jump on this podcast today and let's discover God's awesomeness waiting for you. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wake Up Into Your Dream. My name is Barry Miracle, and hopefully I'll be your dream coach for the next uh, 35 minutes or so. Uh, We've been doing a series on life in the spirit, and then I did a five-part series on walking in the spirit. Uh, So if you live in the spirit, Galatians 5.25 says you can also walk in the spirit. So there's a dichotomy where you're not only born again, but you are actually living the life of the spirit in the physical realm as you can put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, if this is like a little new to you, you could go back and you could listen to five episodes and it'll bring you right up to speed. But today I want to continue on with life in the spirit and I want to. I want to bring to you this topic of integrity and what is integrity. And, and I believe this is what uh, integrity does. It's an inside job creating external victories. We think of integrity as a fruit, but really is a root in our lives. It's, it, is, it does produce fruit, but it, it, it's because it is a root. It is a core value. And it's something that I think that to live life in the spirit, it is really, really important. So let's just get on with this. So while I was doing some studying and in the time of prayer, um, when I found myself singing this old Methodist gospel song from the 70s, fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord, come and quench this thirsting of my soul, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. And I just I just began to sing that at the top of my lungs just like that. Hopefully I didn't um, upset you there with my singing. <laughs> I'm known as the preacher in the family. Anyway, uh, I, I began to really begin to belt this out and just enjoy. And it is such great. This little chorus is such great truth uh, on what it is to live life in the spirit. It's fill my cup, Lord. I, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. What stood out to me that day and is standing out to me today is whole. What the songwriter Richard E. Blanchard Sr. was trying to get across to us is that we as vessels of clay are the ones who house the spirit of the living God. So in his desperation of trying to fill himself up with the things of the world, he was still thirsty and still hungry. 
coming to the conclusion that God is the only one who can satisfy the thirsting of our souls. He then penned this famous song, Fill My Cup, Lord. And it's been sung for 50 years almost. Yeah, about 50 years that that song's been sung in different areas in the world and meetings that I've been in and just worship times that you get into. And it it really represents um, how, how that whole life in the spirit is all about. So anyway, the word integrity stems from the Latin adjective, which is integer, meaning whole or complete. In reference to the whole numbers, not fractioned, not percentages, just whole numbers. In this context, integrity is the inner sense of wholeness, deriving from qualities such as honesty and consistency of character. As such, one may judge that others have integrity to the extent that they act according to the values, beliefs, and principles they claim to hold to. We have to be authentic. The, 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 the thing about integrity is... It, it, it has to do with wholeness. And, and we're on this, and I'll probably repeat this again in this broadcast, but we're on this journey of becoming uh, everything God says we are already. So there's this in, there is this integrity gap, let's say, that we are actually, because when we got saved, and I'm going to go into a little more detail in this, but when, when we got saved, we got... We got saved to the uttermost. Our spirits were born again. We were delivered. Our spirits are now living in heaven. And and if you don't understand that, I have a whole series on that as well. Uh, so you can go back and listen to that. But we, we have been born again in our spirits. So, But in our mind, our will, and our emotions, the soul of our being, the in this soulish and physical realm, we are now coming into alignment of wholeness where our whole spirit, soul, and body are coming together. So after, let me just get back to that uh, time I was singing, and I actually did, I didn't plan on singing that chorus, but I, I might sing that chorus a little bit more. <laughs> I felt the anointing as I began to worship the Lord and ask him to fill my cup. Man, hallelujah. I hope you felt the anointing too. So anyway, so after singing this chorus a number of times, more like belting it out at the depths from the depths of, and conviction, indicative of some who, someone who is fully getting the revelation of the song. I'm just belting it out. Ladies and gentlemen, when I received this revelation, it was a beautiful summer day. Not too hot. So Tammy had the air conditioners off and the windows were wide open. Hmm. My neighbors are so polite, LOL. Side, side note, um, one of my portfolios at the church where we pastor is, I, I head up uh, prayer and intercession. So I have I have this intercession meeting. I have these intercession meetings at my house, you know, all the time. Um, and in except for that, we've been in COVID for the longest time. But generally, we I would have prayer meetings at my house, and we would be, you know, just praying out loud. And we, in these meetings, we get we get pretty loud. So without the windows even open, you can actually hear us clear out to the curb as we're interceding and praying and lifting up the name of Jesus. Uh, our neighbors to the south of us have uh, um, asked our kids from time to time, what in the world is going on in your house on Tuesday nights? And they just say, matter of factly, a prayer meeting. <laughs> 
Anyway, so after my fervent rendition, I was immediately led to the scripture in John chapter 4. And if you have your Bibles, you could turn there. And more specifically, verses 7 through 14, where Jesus was wearied because of his journey from Judea to to a city in Samaria. He had just turned 30 and was about eight months into his ministry at this point. And everything was moving tremendous at a tremendous pace. He found Jacob's well in a city called Sychar. The definition of that of that name and the meaning of that that city, Sychar, definition is liar or drunkard. And and he sat down and began to converse with an unlikely audience of one. And it reads like this: There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, "Give me a drink." For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this well will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the well that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. Hallelujah. That's in the NASB translation. Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become to him, a well of water springing up to eternal life. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It seems that Jesus was not concerned about culture, lack, past failures, frailties, unrighteousness, etc., etc., etc. It seems like Jesus is saying, you and anybody like you can drink these living waters that I give them, and the thirst that drives them will be no more, and they will be satisfied. So what does this have to do with integrity? It's everything. This scripture has everything to do with integrity. In this world where we try to fill ourselves up and try to quench the thirsting of our souls by things and stuff and passionate pursuits, we try to be complete by the things that we possess or our status or, and nothing completes us and makes us feel whole really outside of Christ. And I know so many of you people are just saying amen to that right now. The ones that have tasted of the saving power and 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 you remember those those moments when you came away from that altar or that meeting or or you were sitting in in your you know lazy boy and you just heard a message about Christ and you gave your life to Jesus right right there and all the burdens that were lifted off of you and you became 
for those moments, you just felt so pure, so holy, so righteous. You felt so good. I want to bring you back to that moment again. We are always fragmented. We're fractured and always unsatisfied until the knowledge of the payment of Christ and the indwelling of the spirit of the living God, giving us the potential of wholeness. Somebody say possibilities. We have possibilities. We have a potential for wholeness, not just in our spirits, not just to be born again and, and, and saved, but we have the ability to be delivered in our minds, our wills, and our emotions. Hallelujah. What Jesus was offering this Samaritan woman was the spirit of truth in the midst of a place called liar. Once again, he came to this city and he sat down in this well of the city of Sychar, which is liar. He was offering the truth in the midst of a, in the, the lies, built up lies. Jesus was offering her Holy Spirit. This was a foretelling of the outpouring of Holy Spirit that would happen about two and a half years from that point. Say this after me. I am a spirit. I live in a body and I possess a soul. John 4, 24 says God is spirit. And those, that, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus in the city of Sychar, liar, calls forth people to worship him in spirit and in truth. In tr- only Jesus, eh? Only Jesus. <laughs> Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, and let us rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So if God is spirit and we are made in his image and his likeness, then we must be spirit the core of who we are. You're not mere education, history, culture. This is not who you are. This is what you possess. A man does not consist of the things that he possesses. The Bible says that you are a spirit. You possess a soul, your mind, your will, and your most. They don't possess you. Your thoughts don't possess you. Your your soul is your CPU, the central processing unit of your being. 1 John 4, 17 says, by this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world here's the problem we are made in the image of god the main part of us that was breathed into us our spirit was dead at the fall our spirits became in and away an extension of our souls ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their hearts, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. When Adam and Eve sinned, their spirits actually died in this. And they had not the accessibility to the presence of God the way they used to. They used to be clothed with perfect communication with God. But when they sinned, it was cut off and they felt naked and they hid themselves from God. This is why they tried to cover themselves with, li- with leaves and, and the clothes of their own making. Because of the glory once covered them was gone. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 21, God prophesying about the covering of the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world by sacrificing animals. Probably a lamb's. 
and making them a covering out of the skins. When the Lamb of God came, Jesus sacrificed his body so that we could once again be covered by the glory of the Father, the presence of the Holy Spirit would once again, we would have accessibility to, and I'm so grateful for that. I am a spirit, I live in a body, and I possess a soul. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Ezekiel 36, 21 through 23. But I, I, I had concern for my holy name. Can you guys bear with me as I do some foundational work here on integrity? Ezekiel 36, 21 to 23. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. Can you say after me, integrity? is an inside job. Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of the, all the countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean, sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put my spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you, come on. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. My God. Say, integrity is an inside job. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit has come on the inside of you. He put the eternity on the inside of you. He, he, was, he was keeping you. He put rules in place that, that you, he could keep your whole spirit, soul, and body until that day that you receive salvation through the word of God and, and the blood of, that was shed and the body that was sacrificed and the payment that was made, giving us complete accessibility to all the glorious power of the universe through God, our Father. Hallelujah. I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and I will give you and I will and you will keep my judgments and do them. Wow. Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put the death, the deeds of the body, you will live. For us to live a life of integrity, we can only we can actually only do it by the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit flowing out of us. Integrity is not just out of sheer will and determination. Can you hear me? Integrity is not you just have a strong will to stick to your um, goals and stick to your 
policies and stick to your values. Yes, those are fruits of integrity. Yes, they are. But how are you getting them? Are you now, because you are this person that that you know would not go one kilometer over there or one mile, depending on what country you're listening to me in, uh, over the speed limit, and this makes you in have look like you have integrity. Uh, you 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 know you wouldn't um, you know cheat on your taxes. I, I hope you don't. All this kind of stuff, and these are look like fruits of integrity. But sometimes when we are we get religious, we get like pride filled because you know I'm like and, and Jesus just hated this. Oh, thank God I'm not like that one. You know when he's saying that when the when the the Pharisee was coming giving their offering. Oh, thank God I'm not like this one or that one and and bringing and, and competition. It's all stench in God's nostrils. So what is integrity? How do you truly get integrity? Integrity is a gift of God. Integrity operates in the spirit of the living God. I believe this, that everyone has a price outside of the blood of Christ that has created the ability for grace, for the grace of God to come into our lives. We would give into pressures of life, deceitfulness of riches, or a number of different things. You have only as much integrity oftentimes as your options. I'll let you dwell on that one. Outside of Holy Spirit, I, I tell you, you know, you, well, I, you know, I was, it was easy for me to, you know, stay holy because I, I didn't have this or that or that. There, there are parameters that have been set up in our lives by our parents and, 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 in schools and societies and, and boards and things like that to, to give us areas that, and, and if you kind of just stay in that and, and you're, you know, you're kind of in a place where y- your options aren't as many, there, but I want to tell you if it, what would it take? What is your price of your integrity? Apostle Paul, Paul, the apostle, Pharisee of Pharisees sat at the feet of Gamaliel who is considered to be the greatest teacher of the law. There are 1,613 laws that the Pharisees had to keep, and Paul was flawless. This is the guy who wrote almost, you know, a little over half of the New Testament. But this is his statement. So that he's keeping all 613 laws, but yet he is consenting to the death of Stephen. He is torturing and he is killing it's not murder because he was he thought that he was fulfilling you know these these people that were you know destroying the torah and and, and destroying the the synagogue and destroying the the jewish uh, history and, and and taking over and and all these things he was doing god a great favor he was keeping all maybe it was only 612 laws but he was he was pretty pretty amazing man passionate man but this is his statement after he's saved, after he sees Jesus, after he's born again, after he becomes Paul the apostle, not, not Saul the Pharisee. He, Saul the, affair, the Pharisee, before he's Paul the apostle, he was keeping all 613 laws, blameless. Amazing. But this is his statement. Romans 7, 15 states, the things that I want to do, I do not do, but the things that I don't want to do or I hate to do, I find myself continually doing them. Let me say that again. Romans seven fifteen states, the things that I want to do, I do not do, 
but the things that I don't want to do or hate to do, I find myself continually doing them. Sometimes life becomes really real and the winds and the waves seem really real. Sometimes life throws curveballs and the flood of circumstance keep coming and we begin to respond like we always responded. And we find ourselves in these moments that feels hopeless. Then, then he, Paul, would a few verses later in verse 24 say, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul knew who would deliver him. He met that man. His name is Jesus. Like many of us, Paul knew but didn't know. Hmm. Paul knew of but didn't know. The situation seemed so real and so overwhelming at times that it seems that we forget all of our training and we are in a place of, oh my God. He then, he then comes to a conclusion that he must crucify his flesh daily. And that's where we read in Romans 8.13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The key was that he must spend time manifesting. It's but by the spirit you put the death, the deeds of the body. The, the key is that he, Paul, must spend, spend time manifesting the presence of God. He had to learn how to manifest the very presence of holy God into his unholy realm so as to make him holy. He would, by the spirit of the living God, crucify the works of the flesh in his body. When Jesus died on the cross, he was cross-asphyxiated. When Jesus died on the cross, it, the term is cross-asphyxiated. This is where we get the term crucifixion. When somebody is asphyxiated, he or she is suffocated. Their bodies are in a condition of severely deficient supply of oxygen to their bodies. This is what happened to Jesus on the cross. The, the weight of the gravity of his body would cause his chest to concave and, and push out the air out of his lungs. And he would then put, push against the nails in his feet and, and, and pull on the nails in his hands and take a breath. And then it would repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat until he was too weak and the pain too severe is when he could no longer, he could no longer pull up. He could no longer breathe. His breath was, in his last breath, he said this, it is finished. That's what our Savior did for us. He became the curse for us, for cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree, Galatians 3.13. As he was crucified that day to take care of the sin, so we must, like Paul the Apostle, say, uh, like Paul the Apostle said, but by the Spirit you put the death, the deeds of the body. So every day Paul learned that he could not actually put his body on a tree. He could not actually crucify himself. He did not learn how to take time to, he, sorry, he did learn how to take time to suffocate the flesh with the manifestation of the rivers of living water that flows out of his belly. These next two scriptures gives us the context of what Paul would do. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. That might sound pretty familiar. If we live in the Spirit, and we're talking about life in the Spirit, 
meaning that we are born again and we have become one with the Spirit of the living God. If this is so, we now have the grace power, the enabling power or ability to walk in the Spirit, meaning we are living in a dichotomy, living in the Spirit and in the physical realm at the same time. We are actually, and not just positionally, living in the kingdom. We are actually not just positionally living in the kingdom. When we became one with the Spirit, we now have the ability to allow the Spirit and our spirits to begin to be saturated and supersaturated of our souls and then our bodies. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, so it's not just living in the Spirit. There's a dichotomy here, right? You can live in the Spirit, but you need to learn for victory in that life in the Spirit, having life and living victorious in this life. You need to learn how to walk in the Spirit. And that's actually manifesting the King of glory, manifesting the anointing, the Spirit of life. Psalms 24, 7 says, Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. I've said this to you before, guys. You are all portable portals for the glory of God. When you lift up your head, your heads are, are you lift up your head, O ye gates. And this is when, whenever it speaks about gates in the Bible, it speaks about a place of authority. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Your mouth is the place that you bring uh, authority into this realm. Everything is voice activated and your your gate opens up the, your mouth when you begin to sing praises, when you begin to give thanksgiving. It says, enter into my gates with thanksgiving and into my courts with praise. You enter into all the authority you need when you begin to praise him. But your mouth, you, you, are, you are releasing the king of glory and, and then be lifted up your everlasting doors. Your everlasting doors, that's your spirit. And when you open up your gate, you begin to release the spirit of the living God into this realm. We are portable portals for the glory of God. Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Though there be darkness on the earth and deep darkness on the people, my glory will rise upon you and be seen on you. The glory, though there be darkness on the earth and deep darkness on the people, the the glory of God will be seen. And according to the, the depth or the weight or the power, the glory that you allow to come out of your life, so the weightiness of the presence and the glory of God, as you spend more time in his presence and, and you're allows, allowing him to rise up in the midst of you and mantle you, quicken you and fortify you and flow forth from you, the more you do that, you're going to be led into places where where kings and presidents and CEOs of, of com- companies and CFOs of companies and all these people are going to come to you because they see the answer on you. And this is what causes you, your flesh to be put to death. This is what causes you to have integrity. Everybody has a price unless you spend time in the presence of the Lord and you can allow his spirit to put to death the deeds of your body. Well, there's so many scriptures I could I could share with you on this topic. Even Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come up and upon you. 
and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll be surprised what you would do. Your boldness. I pray for people in restaurants. I, I pray for people at gas stations. I pray for people at beaches. I pray, I, 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 I see people healed in the marketplace, not just on, behind pulpits and, and altar calls. I, there, you should be surprised the boldness, the strength. You, you say, how in the world can I do and, and all of these things that God is calling me to do, let alone walk in integrity? I want to tell you the call comes because of your integral relationship with Holy Spirit, the Father, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You cannot do it. That's the whole thing. He's called you to an impossibility. There are too many noises, too many voices, too many choices. You need supernatural capability to walk in integrity. We are, we are becoming more integrous the more our minds are transformed by the washing of the water of the word of God. When we begin to believe the word of God more than the circumstantial evidence in this temporary realm is when accessibility comes, when the, when the, the tidal wave of, uh, and, and the, the glory of God just begins to come out of us like a rushing river. Well, I hope this helps you in our series on living life in the spirit. I pray right now that you would have an experience, that you would get, you would find time and you would just cry out to the Lord, I need integrity. So I need, apparently I need Holy Spirit. Uh, you, you may feel like you're not, Bob, you may feel like you're not uh, able to, to say no to that cigarette. You've been trying to get rid of that, that, that smoking habit. Uh, like my spiritual father says, smoking doesn't send you to hell. It just makes you smell like you've been there. And that's just a joke. That's not condemnation on anybody. And, and that's not my job here. My job is to point you towards the truth. And my, uh, we, we need to understand that there is something better. Like uh, Susie, I just, there, I don't, I, I don't know why I'm mentioning that name, but I just want to let you know that you don't have to, you don't have to actually take that needle. You don't have to actually put that drug into you. You don't have to, you don't have to, you can live integrity. Your, your family needs you. And I just want to encourage you, you guys, that it's you're, you're bigger than you're bigger than the external things. You're, if you allow Holy Spirit to come out of you, I tell you, you, you'll begin to live the life of the spirit and you'll live life of victory because you'll have the power to walk in wholeness. So once again, um, I just want to share this quick um, statement of what integrity is. It comes from uh, an integer, okay? Integrity stems from the Latin adjective integer, which means whole or complete. In reference to the whole numbers, not fraction, not percentages, just whole numbers. In this context, integrity is the inner sense of wholeness. Your inner sense of wholeness, it's an inside job. Wholeness is waiting to come out of you. You're whole in your spirit because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now it's time for your whole spirit, soul, and body to walk in one. It's all about coming back into one. Love you all. You know, if you have a chance, just go to my website. You can go wakeupintoyourdream.com. Just wake up into your dream.com, one continuous word, and you will you will be able to um, find resources there. You'll be able to find um, more podcasts, uh, some videos. Anyway, I bless you. I look forward to our, our series uh, continuing. Come back, uh, share this, 
give me some five stars and also um, make a comment on, on one of the podcast carriers. Anyway, love you guys uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining us today on Wake Up Into Your Dream. My great friend Tony Fitzgerald would say you have two great days in your life, the day you were born and the day you discovered why. In these podcasts, I'm hoping this is true, that you are having aha moments and great moments of getting introduced to the true you because your whole world is waiting for the authentic you to show up. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please go to www.barrymiracle.ca. You can check out my book, Wake Up Into Your Dream. You can connect. You can see where we're going to be live in the future. And uh, you can just connect with us there. But this is Barry Miracle, your dream coach, signing off for now. We'll talk to you next week.